What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with the one and only Arthur Smith. I was psyched for this episode, guys. Uh, Arthur Smith has always been on my Mount Rushmore. What a career. We went through all the greatest hits, Paradise Hotel, The Swan, Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, Trading Spaces, Pros vs. Joes. Oh, we didn't get to Pros vs. Joes. Damn it. Well, anyway, we talked about American Ninja Warrior, which, by the way, nominated for three Emmys. There's still time to vote, as I understand it. So please consider American Ninja Warrior. Fantastic show. And uh, there's another show nominated this year for the Emmys, a little show called United Shades of America on CNN. I've heard good things. So uh, do with that information what you want. Also nominated. Uh, we talked about his sale to Tenopolis. We covered his background in sports, running the CBC. That's the network up there in Canada, running CBC Sports at a very young age. Uh, Arthur has had quite a career, mentored by Dick Clark. Uh, we went through the whole history with him. Uh, and now he's got the Titan Games with Dwayne The Rock Johnson scheduled to come out next year. The man is on top, still working hard, has a great team around him. He's built a great culture. Really excited for you to hear this one. So here it is. My sit down with Arthur Smith. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're in Toluca Lake in the deep recesses. They've moved us down to the audio bay here at A. Smith. Uh, Thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, full transparency, do you have any idea what this podcast is? Um, I have some idea. You do? Okay. How, how, how has it been explained to you? Because your publicist, who is awesome, by the way, right. reached out a few yeah. days ago and thought, can we slip you in right. uh, in the next few weeks? And I was like, absolutely, because Arthur's been on like my Mount Rushmore for a really long time. How did she explain it to you? Um, no, she essentially said that uh, you meet with people in the industry. You talk about their early beginnings. You talk about what they're doing now. Yeah, it all sounded kind of fun, actually. I'm really intrigued to hear because, you know, I'm, I'm a producer. I have an, I have an yes. overall deal at all three media. What is the day-to-day for you? Are you still getting out there and pitching? Oh, yeah. You're still in the room. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. Do you love it? Not only am I still pitching, I'm I'm still in edit base. I mean, I've never yeah. left it. I mean, my uh, – listen, it, it's funny. Uh, um, my joy in life is producing. My You know, I get more excited about a great graphic or a great cut of music or – than anything else. Um, you know, I do – you know, as CEO of the company and we're, you know, a company of some size, um, you know, I have to do a lot of business, but I do it all for the joy of making it, you know, you know, the development, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but the producing is where I get to play and it's still what I love the most. And, you know, I'm always going to stay close to our shows and, you know, some shows I'm heavily involved in. I'm still in Gordon Ramsay's ear. I mean, I still sit in the chair in, 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 in Hell's Kitchen. I'm, I've been on set every single day. And when you say in the ear, so people understand, yes. you, you don't mean like <laughs> metaphorically, like in, in the control room, you are still the one in his ear. Yes, I am. On the day. On the day. And, wow. and for 18 seasons and for 100 episodes of Kitchen Nightmares and almost 300 episodes of, of Hell's Kitchen. So I guess that's 400 hours uh, at least with Gordon. And, um, you know, I made, you know, I made a pledge to him that, uh, that I would I would be there right from the very beginning, and I and I like being there. I, I, I it's fun for me. It's 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 um that's the joy of making it. I hear I hear he's a good guy, right? He's great. Yeah, right. He's great. He's great. It's we, not the persona. It it's, it's uh, not the character. It's not the guy in the kitchen. 
Right. So, I mean, listen, if you even in even in Hell's Kitchen and more so in Nightmares over the years, you could see all the other other qualities that he has. And when when he's out in public, he is he's so charming. Yeah. Um, in Hell's Kitchen, uh, you know, in the kitchen, he wants perfection, so he pushes it. But uh, you know, um, it, well, he, so when you go out and pitch, yeah, because you're you're not, you're a Smith. Mm-hmm. This is not this is not Joe Blow Production mm-hmm. Company that's really hoping they mm-hmm. make it. So when you come in, what's the routine? Like what, what everybody has a different mentality yeah. and a different philosophy when they go in and pitch. Right. So for you now today and in, in 2018, when you're taking out a pitch, mm-hmm. are you still the song and dance man? Do you do the, the opening and then you have a team here that kind of does the meat and potatoes of the pitch and then you bring up the end? What, what, what is, what is the system? Good question. It, it depends on what the project is. Okay. Uh, but you know, we won't pitch anything unless we're really passionate about it. I believe that every pitch you go into the room, you should be screaming. You should be at such a high, when I say screaming, you should be at such a high level of energy and a high level of excitement that, and so I'm going to be talking a lot and, uh, we have good executives and we have great people who work here. So sometimes it's a tag team and sometimes it's, you know, me or, or, you know, and sometimes I'll be in, you know, in the second position, but if I am in the second position, everyone knows I'm going to interrupt a lot. <laughs> and I actually, I actually say, I, I've never heard anybody refer to it as a second position. Yeah. But it's totally right. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but I, but I, you know, in a, in a pitch meeting, it's so funny. I'll, I'll start it. And then I'll say Toby Gorman, who's president of A. Smith and Co. Entertainment, or Rupert Dobson, who's head of our development. And I'll, sure. and I'll say, um, okay, Rupert, um, Rupert's going to tell you about the details of the show. And, and I said, of course, I will be interrupting. And everybody laughs because they know it's going to happen. But that comes, that comes because of the passion. I, I, have, I always say to my, my, our team, I always say good shows don't sell. And great shows have a hard time selling. Huh. So if, you're, if you're pitching something good, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you're pitching something great, you – you just have a shot with something great. And that's the level. We probably are harder than the networks in terms of things that get out of this building. We don't believe in pitching a lot. We don't, but we believe in going I'm, out there. Okay, I'm so glad you went there because that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Because, and not, not to compare, I'm not going to compare resumes. It's like BJ Armstrong talking stats no, no. with Michael Jordan here, but, um, which is such a dated reference, and half the audience doesn't even know who BJ Armstrong is. <laughs> but, um, I don't pitch a lot either. Right. You know, I used to work for Ben Silverman. Right. And, and Ben is a former agent. And right. Ben had the mentality of let's take out, you know, it's a volume play. I've heard right? it. We'll put it that way. Yes. Um, and when I left, you know, I told myself, uh, about this is going over four years ago, I told myself, I'm not going to take out 100 projects we like. I'm going to take out 10 projects I absolutely love that mm-hmm. I can put all of myself into. That's right? it. And is that, re- is that kind of a similar philosophy you've had here? Yeah. Do you, how many pitches would you say? you take out in a year running through this place. Is it like over a dozen? Oh yeah. Okay. It's over a dozen because, okay. because we're all, we're in so many different areas yeah. of programming. So, you know, and we work with everybody. There's a lot of places. I mean, there are, but you say no a lot. What's that? You say no a lot. I, I say, of, we of, say no. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. Inside. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, I, I but, but a, a number of years ago I was realizing that, you know, that you don't have to develop more to sell more. In fact, you should develop less to sell more. And so I, I, I remember writing on, a, on the uh, dry erase board. I said, develop less. Everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. Develop less, pitch better, sell more. And, and everyone's like, we're going to develop less? I go, yeah, we're going to develop less. I mean, this because, flies in the face of what typical reality <laughs> yeah. you know, thought is, yeah, right? No, you, ju- you just have to think your th- – you know, we have to walk in there you know, with a show that, number one, we're you know, so crazy about, so passionate about – and that the pitch is so bulletproof in terms of everything that could po- – all the questions that could 
possibly be asked that we feel like we're going to sell it. And it, it's, um, it's a lot more effective. Now, I must tell you, there are times when we've killed something in the room and then watched somebody else sell the show because we were yeah. it's too hard. Too precious. But, but, but yeah. that's okay. Right. That's okay. We ex- What's we the accept- one that got away? Oh, I don't know. There's a bunch. <laughs> is there? No. Well, like, when I say a bunch, a bunch is four or five over 18 years. That's not too many. Okay, but... wh- just give me one. Oh, Can geez. you think of one that's the one that got away? Everyone has one that got away. Well, there was, there was one that we, we developed too long, and it's probably the most frustrating one, mm. is that I was a big fan of uh, Desperate Housewives when it went on the air. I used to watch it. Yeah, it was, we used to watch it with my wife. It was like our Sunday 9 o'clock show. We used to watch it every Sunday together. And I was saying, there's got to be a real version of this. Oh, come on. I, honestly. So I, I was thinking about, you know, wealthy areas in the United States. And, and I was thinking about Scottsdale, Arizona, because I was just there. I said, Scottsdale, it's like, so funny. it's big hair, big boobs, yep. <laughs> big attitudes, big egos. Big tans. The, the whole thing, yep. right? And, and I had a friend who was like the top jeweler. In, in Scottsdale. So he sold diamonds to the types of people that you'd, you'd want. And I called him and I said, can you help me put together a group of people because I want to make a tape? And it's funny, I talked to Darnell about it, you know, and uh, and I said, and I was thinking this thing called Scottsdale and, and this, this, and listen, I, I remember it was at the time, just to, go, just to tell you how far back it was, it was at the time that we were making Hell's Kitchen because I remember when I had this conversation, the first Hell's Kitchen yeah. in 2004 when we were making it. I remember where we were. We were on La Brea in this crappy right. you know, facility. I, I, just, by the way, I just sat with Corey Abraham yesterday oh, yeah. for the podcast yeah. and who was at Bravo when they developed Housewives. Yeah. And she was talking about how it, it came off of the Desperate Housewives heat as well. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't know that. And but I couldn't I, remember it because Orange County was the first one they did. And I couldn't remember if this was – Post the OC, which I think it was. Yeah. Post the OC, and this is definitely post. It was post Laguna the OC. Beach. It was definitely post the OC, and, and right, and yeah. just on the verge of the hills, right. Right. So Orange County, just in our pop culture, yeah. you know, uh, consciousness was just bubbling yeah. up. Yeah. But so, so you, so you spent too long working on Scottsdale. We, we just kept de- We just kept developing it to the point <laughs> that somebody else went in. But but why would that have had to recuse you from doing it later? Because they did it a bunch w- of spinoffs. So did you never get Scottsdale Housewives back out there after no, the launch of OC? No, we got we got sidetracked and stuff like that. And you, you were know. a busy guy. You yeah, we were busy. Off. Yeah, no, I, I know. But that, but but if I think of one, it's it's funny that's though. Great. But that's but that's a you know what you said about Corey and Desperate Housewives being the inspiration. I did not know that until you told me that. But that makes sense, and that's our business. A lot mm-hmm. of times that we all you know we all get stimulated by different things and. It happens to all of us. I, I think every producer who, who works in this business has said at one point or another, I was coming up with something and then I read about it in the trades. Yeah. How many times uh, it's happened to, to uh, us when we're developing something and then we read about it. It's also happened on the other way that we get out there with something and then I get an email from a colleague, uh, another production company that says, I had the same idea, you bastard. I got, you know. So it happens. And, that's, and by the way, that's one of the things that when you have something special, you need yeah. to move quickly. Yeah. But, not, but you know, sometimes you, know, you can't move too quickly that it's not fully baked. But you can't, um, you know, but you can't move too slowly because someone else is probably thinking of the same thing, especially if it's something that's, something that's in the air. You know? mm-hmm. and, um, and by the way, those are usually the best ideas because if it's in the air – that means that the audience is, has an appetite for something along those lines in that type of area. Well, we're about to go through all the greatest hits, but yeah. I, want, I want to <laughs> take the audience back because as I was doing my research on you, more than any of the amazing shows you've made and, and the run you've had, the one thing that really stood out to me that I was maybe most impressed with, mm. 
is and tell me if I'm wrong, but at 28, you were made the head of sports mm. at CBC, right. the Canadian broadcaster. Yeah. By the way, I did not even know you were Canadian until yesterday. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. Yeah, well, I've been here. I've been here. I've lived in LA longer than I've lived anywhere else. I just I just went to your hometown of Montreal for the uh, first time a couple weeks ago for the uh, festival. Com- yeah. Oh my God, it's amazing. I'm doing a series for Amazon that we're, we're following uh, the new faces category. Oh, so I love it. Comics trying to make That's it. That's great. In. And I never been, and I fell in love with this. Isn't it amazing? Amazing. Yeah. But at, at 28, like you know. I've read all the books, you know, on Hollywood lore, and, and one of my Hollywood heroes is Jeffrey Katzenberg, mm-hmm. and I think he was 28 or 29 when he was made head of production at Paramount. Mm-hmm. To be the head of sports for a major broadcast network at yeah. 28, how did you fall into the gig? Well, it's uh, it, we have to go back a little bit before sure. that because the first the first break was such a big jump for me, and and because before um, uh, I was I was producing for CBC Sports when I was 22. Okay. And so that that catapulted. I never, but I never expected to be head of CBC Sports. That was a job that I dreamed of and dreamed of retiring. For a Canadian boy to be president, head of CBC Sports was 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 a dream. I Crazy. mean, I, like I said, I never thought of thought of anything else. I've never, you know, I've always I'm always in the moment of what I'm doing. So you know, I never thought about moving to LA, starting my own company. None of that was was what, what I was thinking about. You know, so I'll just take you back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've always been in, in, enthralled by the entertainment business. I've always been into the entertainment business, and 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 I and I'm a huge sports fan. So I've always had those things going. And to me, they're kind of like sports is entertainment. And and you know, while I was you know you know a quarterback of a, a high school football team, I was also is it Canadian rules? Yeah, but see, what's Canadian rules? It is. I, just, I don't know anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. about that. I mean, I played yeah. football growing yeah, up yeah. too, but and 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 playing hockey because I I played hockey in college and everything like that. But yeah. while I was doing that, I was an actor in you know plays and stuff like that. I was like you know I was Danny Zuko in Greece. I mean, I was doing. <laughs> I had this. I had this strange, strange thing, and I loved them both. And I when I when I played, I felt like I was entertaining and. And it's always it's always been part of me, and one fed into it was like so connected to me. It's funny because of you know a lot of the stuff that we do with sports entertainment. For me, that's like the best. You're so Zuko though. Like I'm yeah. still I'm still not getting yeah, yeah. past the Zuko thing. Well, wait, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. So um, so a lot, so I've always had this thing, and then when I was I, I I'm originally from Montreal, and then I went to Toronto. I went to a school called Ryerson, which is like the top film school, TV film school in Canada. And while I was in in right the summer before I went to Ryerson. I did two movies, okay. and uh, and it was one of the you know like I'm, I'm I think I'm going way too. Is it Canadian indies or what? Yeah, they they were they were Canadian. They were like like there was an American like an American a, a co-production with a U.S. company. They were like B movies and stuff okay. like that. There was a lot of when the tax breaks and the currency thing started to happen. You know, way back in the early '80s, um, there was a lot of lot of production being done in Canada, which is you know still happens today, of course. And I did. Um, I, I went out. It was funny. I was acting and I was doing my thing, but 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 amateur stuff, not not right. professional stuff. And I went out to be an extra in a in, in a film because I heard they were shooting a film called Pinball Summer in Montreal. And I went out to be an extra, and I literally got one of those stories. I got pulled out of line. Yeah, I got pulled out of line, and yeah. they said they wanted me to read, and I read, and then I screen tested, and I got the part, oh, and which uh, supporting part? It was yeah, it was it was a, I was like the king of the disco, which yeah, is so yeah, embarrassing. This is a disco uh, movie? No, well, it was a movie about kids in summer, and it was like okay. a, it was just it was after like Saturday Night Fever had been on, so sure. I was kind of like the. Like my character, I think, was called John T. Okay. So again, following so, in the Travolta footsteps. Yes, here. yes, yes, yes. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I did. So, you have a type. You, yeah. You have a type, Arthur. Yeah. Well, by the way, you know, it's funny. My name's Arthur Smith. I've, uh, uh, you know, all my acting. I was, um, 
Gary Ficaleri, yeah, right. uh, Frank Gallardi. I mean, those were, you know. I'm so, as a Paisan, you, you, okay, okay, you, you do have Paisan qualities. Yeah, of too. course. Yes. So, so, I did, so I did Pinball Summer, and then I did another, and then there was another film that I did after that. And I, I, when I went to Ryerson, I thought I was, um, I, 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 was, I was thinking, considering going, well, I was considering going into theater arts, and then I made the decision that theater arts was too artsy. As I said, I don't want to be a tree. I said, I want, yeah. I want I like, be a tree. I said, what kind of tree are you? And I, I didn't want to do that. So I, I, um, I went into, you know, I started, decided to go into um, something a little more grounded, mm-hmm. which, not totally grounded, which was, you know, you know, television and film production. And along the way, when I was at Ryerson, I went into television and film to be the backup to the acting because I, I didn't know. I was following the acting track. I thought this, this could be it, you know. And, um, and, uh, but along the way, I had won, um, you know, I had won some awards for my productions and, uh, you know, student film awards and things like that. And then I was on scholarship and, uh, you know, I had a very good run at Ryerson. So it kind of supported my, my you know, it made me feel a little more confident in myself that you can do this that i can do this and i you know there's always critical people in your life i had one professor who said to me you know after i won an award they have like the rta awards the radio and television arts awards and i won best drama this year for something you know as when you're a student you act you write you produce you do everything right and i won an award for it and my my professor said to me he goes you know that was really good and i said well thank you i said it was good for a student film he goes no 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 he says it was really good. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, but there's so much I don't know. And he goes, and and this was like the best thing that he could ever say to me. He says, it's about instinct. It's about knowing what's good and what's looking good. He says, you'll learn the jargon. You'll learn, you know, the mechanics. He says, either you have it and you have vision. If you have real vision, you'll figure the rest out. Mm. And that stuck with me. And I believe it. And I, and I, when I, when we hire people and we look at people and we, the people who are the best producers are the ones who have true vision, mm. like real vision, not, you know, not that they can make a show like everybody else that they, 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 it's, it's rare. Yeah. It's rare. Um, but it exists. And then when, when you find it and if you find it in a 25 year old PA, you groom it. Right. And we've done that with people. We have mm-hmm. lots of stories of people who started us with, a, you know, we've been around for a long time now. Mm-hmm. We have tons of stories of people who started with us and, uh, wow. and, 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 and have gone on because that, that moment when he said it to me. So with that, with all that information, I'm sorry, I'm going to get back to this whole CBC story. <laughs> I, as I got towards the end of my final year at school and my parents were, you're going to act, what are you going to do? You know? And, and I said, I don't know. I I don't know. And I started to say, well, maybe there's a place for me in production. And by the way, if it doesn't, if I don't get a production job, I'll continue to act because I can do it. I can can do it. It's paying bills. And, uh, it's funny. Even when I was producing, I was still like years later, I was producing for CBC sports. I was still hosting a, I was hosting a video show. So you never, okay. So you you still have that. I still have it in me. Yeah. You still have that itch. Well, that's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fun for me. So, so anyhow, um, I, uh, this guy, Jim Thompson, he was the executive producer of a show called CBS, CBC Sports Weekend. And he went to Ryerson 25 years ago. And I literally, you know, camped outside his office. Like, I stalked him, basically. And one day he came, you know, yeah. I was there and he came out of his office and I said, hi, my name is Arthur Smith. I went to Ryerson. I mean, I'm at Ryerson, RTA. And I said, can I have 10 minutes of your time? And he goes, who are you? He goes, how long have you been here? Um, five minutes. It was really like an hour and a half. And, and I said, can I just talk to you for, you know, five minutes? And he goes, okay. And I went in his office and we had this 90-minute conversation. 
And he said to me, he said to me, he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to produce sports. And for me, it was, you know, Canada has, we were talking about Canadian comics and how well they are here. And Canada has a little bit of an inferiority complex when it comes to comedy and drama. And when you, the, the idea is that when you're successful in Canada, you move here. You, right. Lauren Michaels, who's Canadian, right. sure. and all the Michael, and J, Michael J. Fox, and, and, and there's so many, and Howie Mandel, and it, right. it goes on and on and on and on, and and um, That's right. Jim, and Jim Carrey for the matter. I remember when Jim, Jim I remember when Jim Carrey and Howie Mandel sure. uh, were performing in Toronto at the clubs and stuff like that, and they're they're kind of my contemporaries. So for me, right. you know, when Howie got Saint Elsewhere, and then Jim Carrey got a sitcom, and then yeah. Jim Carrey got in Living Color. So it's like, there they go. Yeah. There they go. And so with me, I wanted to work at a place where you didn't need to go and somewhere where, you know, Canadians took great pride in. And that was CBC Sports and CBC Sports at that time. It still is to some degree, but it's changed. But especially at that time was the pinnacle of broadcasting right. and sports television. This is before TSN and ESPN? Yeah, this is before TSN. Right, so this is it. This is it. Yeah. And so it was Hockey Night in Canada, which is like Monday Night Football times 10 and, 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 and everything else and everything else that went with it. You know, every major sporting event and uh, and the Olympics, which CBC is Huge. CBC is known for, well, amazing, yeah. amazing experience. Yeah. I saw that you had overseen the Olympics, yeah. and like thousands of hours of yeah. sports pro- yeah, programming yeah. on this job. Yeah. So uh, so anyhow, uh, Thompson said to me, he goes, uh, "Listen, there's uh, uh, what do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to be a producer in at CBC Sports." And he goes, "No," he says, "I know in the future," and 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 and, and I said, "No, no, no, I want to do it now." And he goes, "Well, you know, what makes you think you can do it now?" And I you know, my, my professor told me I had vision. So, but, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I just went on and, you know, whatever I made my, I made my case. And he I, gave you the gig from now. No, 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 no. Okay. 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 It, it, there, I'll, I'll try and, you know, shorten this, but you know, he said, listen, you, the way you get into sports, you become a production assistant and, right. and, 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 but you can't start in network sports because all the production want it. So you have to work in local news and then you go from local news to national news. And then maybe you'll get into sports if you're lucky. And I said, how long does that take? And he goes, well, Fast track five years, and I went like, uh, uh, I don't think so. And I'll it, and see it, you in five months. Yeah, yeah. and uh, listen, I was ignorant because first of all, that's probably not the best way to handle a meeting by saying I don't think so. It's probably not the best way to handle a meeting is by stalking somebody. But ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. So I was like so clueless that all these things. If I knew what I knew now, I probably would have never done any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then um, anyhow, he said, "Nice meeting you. Thank you, thank you, thank you." And then three weeks later, I I, I got a phone call from cbc saying they want to meet me the head of sports his boss like the, wow the head of cbc sports wants to meet me and jim thompson told me about you i want to meet you and it's funny because i had driven from toronto to montreal which is a five-hour drive okay. and I, I this is gonna make me sound really old i called my answering machine because we actually had answering <laughs> yes, machines yes. and i called my answering machine there was a message from cbc and i literally saw my parents and said mom dad i gotta go back to toronto they go you've been here 10 minutes. I said, right. I know. I got to go back. They want to uh, meet me. And CBC wants to meet me. And I literally got back in the car and, dro- and, and, and drove back and had the meeting the next morning. Now, the whole drive, this whole boring drive back to Toronto, I was thinking about what am I going to do to stand up? What am I going to do to prepare? How got, do you sell yourself? How do I sell myself? Got to my, my uh, crappy apartment, sat down at the typewriter. <laughs> yes, the, we use typewriters. And uh, then I made photocopies at the library. I tell my kids this story, and it's like, oh, my God, how old are you? And uh, anyhow, I, I had this meeting, and it was all the, all the executive producer of football, the executive producer of hockey. The, the head oh, of they CBS. packed the room? It was six of them. How are you them. getting this kind of audience? I mean, I you, you just came in. Why would they I, even feel the I need to give I don't this know. audience? Well, Jim Thompson... But 
of looking back, doesn't that seem kind of crazy that Ridiculous. they put a room full of Ridiculous, people in for a I have, PA? I have daughters in, in their 20s now, so it's 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 right. And 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 no, it's it's still unbelievable to me. And it's you know, listen, you have to have you have to be lucky to be good, good right. to be lucky. You know sure, that. Sure. So um, and the meeting, it was 90 minutes, and at a certain point in the meeting, after being drilled about everything about sports coverage and sports television, everything like that, I said, I I. I I said, people say they have good ideas. I'm going to tell you some. And I started to hand out papers. I started to hand oh, out these sheets of paper, right? I love that. From, and uh, anyhow, I had no idea if I did bad, did good, whatever. Uh, walked out of there 10 pounds lighter. And, uh, and, um, and then they called me a few weeks later, the head of CBC Sports, and said, listen, we, we want to try something. We want to try an experiment with you. And we want to bring you in as a kind of like a junior producer, and um, because we're realizing that we're missing out, CBC is so hard to break into that we're missing out on good young people. And we're you're you're a project, and we're going to groom you. You're 22 and, at the time. I was 22, and I was still I hadn't graduated yet. I wow. literally, wow. I literally left like you know I, I graduated on Friday and was in, I was at CBC on Monday. And then what happened was is they started to give me. Give me stuff, and I, I, I think I did well because I kept getting more and more stuff. And then, and then I, I, I had a uh, – sorry, this is so long. I feel so bad because I'm taking you through all of it. No, but, it's fine. But, uh, but, but, uh, but can we cut – Yes, let's, let's, let's cut to – This is where I'd like, like to cut to. Yes. The moment where you think yeah. this job is available yeah. to run – CBC Sports. Did someone step away and they're like, Arthur, I want to give it to you? Like, how did that call come? When did you first realize I might be able to get this job? What, what, well, what happened was right before I went to the Olymp, right before I went to the, uh, the Olympics, I knew before the, the head of CBC Sports at the time when yeah. I, when I got my first break was head of the network now. Oh, so, okay. and I was kind of his guy, yeah. but I also, uh, was doing really well in the department and, the the person who was in the job was moving on, leaving, whatever, and they came to me and they said, "We want to make you head of the sports division." And I and 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 I said no, <laughs> and I said no because I said that makes absolutely no sense. I executive producer to me is still the best job in TV, at least for me, yeah. right? And I said no, that makes absolutely no sense. I don't know anything about marketing or anything else. And they said you'll learn. They said you'll learn. I said, but I'll be negotiating. You know, contracts with the IOC and 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 the NHL and MLB and and they said. You'll you'll learn. We believe in you. You will learn how to do it. Well, they and, had six years of seeing you thrive yeah. and learn everything else you yeah. had to. Yeah. No, but the interesting thing is, like you know, the guys that were in that room, they they were all working for me. Right. The guys who met me, the guys I handed out the papers to, were all right. working. all the other guys, all the other right. guys, which was just mind boggling. And I'll never forget that first night. And and it's it, this is so magical to me that that first night when I was head of CB sports, I'm in my corner office and I'm like there, it's 11 o'clock. Cause I'm going through files. Cause I want to know how much does everybody make, you know, like, oh, right. you know all the, I like had all the secrets. It's like that, you know, that announcer, that guy, that, and, 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 and other questions. I wanted to see what was in everybody's file. And I found my file huh. and uh, in my file, was those papers that, that I you brought, handed out? I, that I handed oh. out. So it was crazy. It was what like a great book. It was, it, was, it was crazy. It was crazy. So anyhow. All right. So I got I got to move along. Sorry. Here. Yeah. Let's please. Dick Clark. Yes, Dick Clark. I want to hear about Dick Clark. So how did that come about? So Dick Clark. Dick Clark. Uh, yeah, was um, yeah, was my mentor, and uh, got, he's the one who got me to the United States, got me my green card. Um, close friend. Learned so much from him. How'd you meet him? So um, I was running CBC Sports at the time. As weird as it sounds, I wrote it. I wrote a letter to Dick. That's how it happened. You wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to Dick, and I wrote a letter to Dick. I was in. I remember where it was. I was in Albertville, France. It was three in the morning. I couldn't sleep, and I was doing a survey for the Winter Olympics, 
And I wrote a letter, and uh, and then I, shockingly, I got a letter back, and he says, uh, and Dick said, I'm on vacation, and um, but call me in 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 August, and I called him, and then I remember one day I got a message from Dick Clark, which I didn't would never erase, of course, because it was Dick Clark, and he said, come down to L.A., I want to talk to you, and. Dick and I, we hit it off right from so the very... you flew from Canada down to L.A. Uh, yeah, I flew for, from, for a meeting. Yeah, yeah. With no promise of anything. Nothing. Just come on down to L.A., he said, let's he talk. Said, uh, he said, let's talk. And that was probably his first test. Like, if he's willing to fly to L.A. Yeah. and yeah. I like him, yeah. he's going to have a job when he leaves this yeah. place. Well, we had, a, we had a great meeting. We had a great meeting. I was with him for two hours, and we talked about shows, and we talked about... And I had all these ideas kind of stored up while I was in sports that yeah. I wanted to do on the entertainment side. And we just hit it off. We completely hit it. And he was, he was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't write any other letters. You know, right. talk about targeting, right? He was it. He was it. I just wrote a letter to him because I looked at what his company was doing, and I figured for somebody like me who was, you know, a sports guy or, you know, on the surface, that what the type of stuff that he was doing with big events and award shows and variety shows and light entertainment and what was reality then. And still being an on-camera person And still being an on-camera well. person that I figured – He's the right type of person. I've always admired. I always admired him because because of what he done, and he was so natural on camera. And 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 um, and so yeah. And and how many years were you there? I was there four years. And what were some of the projects that came out of that? Um, well, I produced. You know, I produced a bunch of award shows, um, but which worked perfectly with your live sports. Yeah, background. yeah. It felt, it felt. So it was a great transition. Very easy. Very very easy. I mean, you know, listen. There were some things. There were some. There were some. He new had a reputation of being a hard ass, right? Who Dick? Yeah. Uh, only, only at the right time. Okay. Okay. I mean, all, I mean, only when it mattered, he was so honest and so open and so genuine and sincere that, you know, he was tough, but, 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 um, appropriately tough, you know, he was amazing. I, I mean, I, he, and so important and so critical. You look back on your life on, on key things and, you know, he's one of, he's definitely one of them. The guy who gave me the break at CBC sports and Dick Clark, uh, you know, probably the two, Two biggest, um, and uh, but he was great. I learned I learned a lot about him. A lot of the things that about our company right. are things that I learned from Dick, and well, and and we were very very closely and stayed. And and all it's funny all through the years because my company had started and Dick was still alive. Yeah, you know, Dick was always in my camp. He was always a cheerleader. If I would get a pickup for Paradise Hotel or the Swan or whatever it was, at we're the about to jump into those. Whatever whatever it was, Dick was always the first to send me an email saying, "Way to go." Give me, Way give, to me go. give me the one of the biggest takeaways, lessons you learned from Dick Clark. What was something he actually passed down to you that sticks <sighs> in your your brain now? Whether it's producing or handling oh people God. or handling the network, what's something that he, you were like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that. That's one. a tough one. I'm gonna keep that one for when I'm the guy. That's a tough one. I think I don't know. I, there's there's so much of it. I mean, yeah. uh, I you know. There's so much of it. He was so honest and so sincere with all his suppliers that I think that that was the that was the thing that I admired most, and the thing that I that's the way we operate our business. You know, we we tell the truth a lot. You Watching know? him in a room must have been a show. He's great. Him going in for the pitches must have yeah, been he was great. Awesome. He was great. I mean, there's some there's some funny stories. I remember there was there was one time we were going to a pitch at CBS in Television City, and he had a limousine, right? And uh, <laughs> wait, and we, did he have, wait, what do you mean? What? Like he had a limousine all the time. He had a he had a driver in a limousine, right? Like, like full time. Yeah, because he drove in from Malibu every day. So like a did. stretch limo. Yeah, like yeah. full on like Scotch whiskey, like wet tea, like yeah. everything you see in the movies. Yeah, and full he, time. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Well, he he bought the limo and he had a driver. So he I know, but you're saying that so casually. Like a lot of people just have a stretch limo all the time. I know, but it's like most but people, he, some people have a driver. By yes. The, by the way, he did. I he he uh, he did give up the the uh, the limousine. Uh, and got a van later on, but I'll, that's a very funny story, which involves Johnny Carson, which 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 I maybe we'll get to. Okay. But 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 there was one time we we're going to pitch CBS, and. 
we're riding in the limousine to the pitch, and Dick tells the driver, he goes, park here. And we're like three blocks away or whatever. And I go, why are we parking here? And he goes... He goes, there's just something about pitching a show to a network and you're asking for money that you don't want to show up in a limousine. That's so smart. I said, Dick, everybody knows you're rich. I mean, who are you, who are you kidding? <laughs> We're going to walk three blocks. So it's so funny. But, 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 you're, but when you're rolling in that limousine with Dick Clark, you are a long way from Toronto. Oh, my God. Am I right? Yeah, like yeah. you are knee-deep oh in Hollywood. God. Well, you know, it's funny because when I first, when I first came down and Dick, we went, we went to Spago's, right? Of course. And, of course. And, and we went to the old Spago's on Sunset. And it was like my first meal with Dick. And we went out with him and his wife and me and my wife. And, and it's just and, everyone's there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just doing the right, rounds? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and we went in. And so Dick was, I don't know, giving the, you know, he was, he was trailing behind us for some reason. We checked in. And, and, and I remember, you know, the hostess said, uh, reservation. And, and, you know, Dick's wife said, you know, Dick, Dick Clark. And she goes, oh, well, let me, let me, let me check. And, and then she goes, oh, Dick Clark, right? right. So that was like my, my first days. And so anyway, we got the table. And, of course, Wolfgang Puck came over. And right. I don't know. I don't remember. It was such a blur. Like Joan the, Collins and, comes and, by. Who knows? Yeah, right. But everybody was dropping by. But he was, he was amazing. And he was like, he was a... You know, he was – yes, he was successful and yes, he did well and um, – but he was per- very down-to-earth, yeah. extremely down-to-earth. But that and, must – but that must And happen. simple and very simple about things that he liked and, you know, you know, you, you – there was no – you know, he wasn't the farthest thing away from being pretentious or anything else. Yeah. I mean having a pizza or having a beer with him, that mm. was – that was Dick. He was so easygoing in that way. Huh. And, and, his, and his wife carried lovely, lovely people. But talk about inspiring you to yeah. one day have your own shop yeah. and kind of run it in, in a similar yeah. age. I mean, yeah. that must have put a lot of fuel yeah. in the tank. And even, even when, I let, when I left him, it was he, – he said, he said the nicest thing to me. He goes, I knew I couldn't keep you forever. Yeah. And he says, I know you're going to do well. And he says, good luck. And he said, let's, you know, we're going to stay friends. And we did. And so I, it was the greatest, you know, I was so nervous about the guy yeah. who moved me to Los Angeles, got me my green card. And, and I'm telling him I'm ready to go. Yeah. And he was great. He was very, uh, very good about it. Well, let's, and, go, let's, let's go to the launch of the company, shall yeah, we? Yeah, sure. So the year 2000, you yeah. launch Ace Smith. Yeah. Since then, 4,000 hours, yeah. 175 shows for 47 networks. 50 now. 50 networks yeah, now? Yeah. You got to update that by. Yeah, yeah, got to update, update that by. Yeah. Uh, 2003. I'm just going to go through some of the hits now. Yeah. 2003, Paradise Hotel. Yeah. I have this show etched firmly in my memory because I was an intern at the Best Damn Sports Show period oh. on the Fox lot that summer oh, funny. of 2003. It was the we, summer before my senior year. You must have crossed paths because, you know, I was at Fox Sports for yeah, four years. Yeah, and I was, I was at the Portables, you know, they, they yeah. just right outside. That's right, so funny. Where they ran the show out of. I, yeah. And, um, and I remember Paradise Hotel was such a an event yeah. that summer, yeah. right? Yeah. How did that come to be? Was this a Mike Darnell? Hey, can you come up with something in this space? Tell, and and I, I'm guessing is this the first time you did something with Mike Darnell? We we did a uh, we did a special. Okay. I think it was when Animals Invade Your House. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, eh? Um, well, you know what the show is. The title says it all. Right. Um, yeah, we had done that. But Mike and I had been friends. Like we're just friends, like for years. Because when I was at Dick Clark, Mike was a young executive uh, at Fox. He was there was a guy Bob Bain who was his boss. Okay. And we used to we used to go and pitch. But was Mike always Mike? Yeah. Even before Mike had the job, he was always Mike. Yeah. He played by his own set of rules. Um. He, ca- no, just, no. No. He was. He was. He was on time. Oh, really? Yeah, then he was on time. He was working for somebody else. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, got it. Got but it. he's amazing. He's ama- He's such an amazing guy and, and, and a close friend. Um, so Paradise Hotel, yeah. how does this come Okay, about? so... Uh, what com- was the pitch? Well, the, the, the company, our company 
you know, started at the end of 2000, 2001. And we were, we were doing good. We, on, you know, I ran Fox Sports, you know, I had a program, I had a production for four years. So on the way out at the door, you know, Fox was very good. They ordered my first series. They ordered 65 episodes of a show called You Gotta See This. That's a nice way to start. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So we, we hit the ground running. We ended up doing like 200 hours of that show. And then we, we had deals at FX and we had deals at Fox TV Studios. We had a bunch of deals and right. pilots. And so we, were, we hit the ground running uh, pretty, pretty quickly. And then um, I got a call from, uh, from Darnell uh, that they would, they, they, um, they, Made an uh, option to uh, 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 a format. He, he was putting fifty thousand okay. dollars into um, a, a sizzle of some kind um, on something called Paradise Hotel, which was produced by a company called Mentorn. And he goes, "I don't know any of the people in um, in the UK who, uh, at this company, and I want you to go over there as a consultant and just watch over it." And I think Channel Four had also put in fifty, so there, it was like whatever. So, um, and I was on. I was actually shooting a pilot for VH1 at the time. I said, "I don't think I can go." And I remember my agents, and I remember Chris Newman and Mark Hickens said, Arthur, you really should do this. And, you know, this. And I said, but I'm going to be a consultant on someone else's show. He says, well, Mike trusts you, and he wants you to go over and just watch over it. And so I went to England no, by myself, and um, and I ended up being a lot more than a consultant on this thing. I'm in the right. edit bay. I'm, you know, I've, I, and I'd call Mike. I said, I thought I was supposed to be a consultant. I said, I'm in the edit bay here right now. He goes, this is, you know. Making a British show. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, stick with it, stick with it. And we came back and we brought, we brought back this tape and Mike loved it. And he was, he was, he was like, this is awesome. This is great. This is phenomenal. How would you and explain the logline of what that show is? Pair up or go home. Pair up or go home. Yeah, that's basically okay. That was at, a, at a paradise, at a know, paradise yeah. setting. Yeah, that they take couples the pair up or go home. That okay. was our thing. You know, there was always this uneven amount of, uneven amount of, of of men and women, and you had to, you know, the the way to stay safe is you had to find one person. That was the interesting thing. You only had to find one other person. One of the things right. about reality shows, they always vote, voted off before that. Mm-hmm. They always voted off the the meanest character, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you left it up to the audience, they voted off what could be the best character in the show. If you left right. it up to the people there, they may have voted off the best the, the best character in the show. With the thing with Paradise, you only have to find one person who liked you, right? And so the two sometimes the two outcasts, and as in the case of Paradise Hotel, the two outcasts found each other and they stayed. Would band together. Would band together. There was a lot of other nuances to the show, and and uh, and a lot of it we were making up as we go along. But uh, it was that- very it was very funny because the show so. Uh, Mike went to Chernin. They ordered 15 episodes out of the gate, and nobody was doing 15 episodes. All reality show right. orders at the time were six and eight. Right. And also the other the other thing about Paradise, we were turning around the show in a week. And all re- other reality shows at the time, Survivor, which was right before us, they shoot a show, go away for a month, and come back and edit for a number of months before right. they would put it on. We were turning things around, so it was kind of happening in real time. Like, there was a real time element to it. right? There was. There was also a studio because it was. The, it was also the show was. There was like a vote in. Yeah, vote, yeah. vote in new people to the, right, the right, hotel. Right, right, right. It was the right. show that the show that you could be a fan of and then be on. It was pre Big Brother. It was. It, it, it was around the same time. Around the same time. Around the same time. But it had that real-time element yes. that Big Brother had as, yes, as a yes, big yes. Summer, summer show. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And the interesting thing is that, you know, when we were – it was – first of all, it was a killer to get to air because of the turnaround. And we are doing multiple episodes a week and everything else like that. And um, around episode seven, the show is, like, doing incredibly well. Right. Incredibly well. It's obviously a thing. And Mike calls me and he goes, um, I got – I got some good news for you. He says, and I was like exhausted, like, you know, just killing myself to get to, to air every week. And he goes, I got some good news for you. He says, we're, we're, um, we're doubling the order to like 30. And I went, I, and I went, shoot. I went, Oh crap. 
And he goes, that's not usually the reaction I get when I tell someone we're doubling the order. Yeah. And I go, I know. I said, I'm just so tired. <laughs> and I said, I got to, you know. And the interesting thing is that because it was in real time, no one had ever been like – you know, away for so long. They were away for months and months. Right. The people at, on at, on the island on Paradise right. Hotel, they were away for months and months. And so the dynamic was created great drama. Right. And it was like they started to get cabin fever. Yeah. It was. It was. It was pretty insane. Uh, whose idea was the Swan? The Swan would premiere a year later yeah. in two thousand four. The the Swan started with uh, a woman by the name of Nellie Galan, okay. and uh, Nellie had pitched the show to Mike, um, and it was actually sitting at Fox for quite some time because they were looking for a nuance to get it off the ground. And I think actually, you know, ABC had extreme makeover, the plastic the original. surgery, the original one. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, the Swan, Mike had bought the Swan first, but it, it, it took so long to develop it mm. that extreme makeover launched and, and went on. Huh. And, uh, but anyhow, while I was finishing paradise, Mike said, you know, we were finishing paradise and we had this, Mike and I, you know, we got to know each other really well and it was so exhausting putting the show together. And he said to me, I have this, this notion that I've been working on with Nelly, and and I said that's the cra- that's crazy, and and then we got into it, and then um, and then and then we de- and then we developed together, and then we, and then we got it on really quickly. So, you know, uh, and we you know Nelly was, you know, it was her concept that was based on, you know, um, something that she believed in, in, in that uh, if you put if you, you know, uh, if you put something out there like a pageant or something out there that you can. You can, um, you know, uh, groom people and, 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 and fix them inside and outside. I mean, the Swan Listen had a very controversial show, right? Right. And, but, you know, the truth of the matter was is that... It's a we, seminal show for the reality TV business. It is. It is. But we were working on... I know this sounds so cheesy, but we really were working on the people on the inside and the outside. And, you know, the plastic surgeons on the show would say to me that this is the way plastic surgery should be done, that you should have therapy. So, uh, did that make it in the cut, those aspects? It, it, it did, but because it was, know, of course, marketed in a certain uh, way. Well, but the market, you the, watch the show, there you go. Yeah, there you go. But that was Fox at the time. There you go. The, you mar- know, the marketing of the show, the marketing of the show was much different than the show itself, right? And, and, and so, people only remember the marketing for the most part. A lot of people do, and people remember our mirror, yeah, you know, the mirror, they, they hidden the that you couldn't, you, you know, you couldn't see yourself for three months because we wanted you to focus on the inside, but it also created this great moment when they saw themselves for the first time, which got parodied on Saturday Night Live and everything sure. else, but. But you know what? You know what stands out from that story for me is that Mike had been sitting on it mm. and got beat to market by Extreme Makeover. Yeah. Do you think that show is what then sent Mike off in this direction? Seem in later years where he always tried to beat other shows to the market, even even if it was at the detriment of the show itself. We, I've I've been told by many people that Mike would fast track, fast track, fast track because he had an idea that he knew another network was also in the same area well, he's very and wanted to beat them the market. Yeah. Do you think that might have been? The genesis of him kind of changing philosophy? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't okay, know. For a good story. I, 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 I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. But I know Mike. Mike is very competitive. Always was. Always is. Still is today. And I think he. Uh, I mean, he's such a lover of TV. I mean, you know, you know, his passion is you know is amazing. He's he's a great he's a great guy. And and, and yeah, so this yeah. is probably something you don't get asked about a lot. But oh, maybe boy. there's a little backstory here. 2006 skating with celebrities. Yeah. What was the ABC fallout as a result of this? Oh, this is Mark Etkin led. Yes. Okay. He said, you got to ask about this. Oh, my God. Where ABC threatened well, Arthur, and yeah. they were very out of line over the skating with the celebrity show. Yeah. Well, 
Okay, so you can't get in trouble now, Arthur. No, no, it's fine. You can spill on this. No, no, it's fine. What, what it's, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's well, fine. I, you know me. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm an open book, so it's not, not hard for me to talk. So about. was there another skating show, and they got pissed? No, 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 not at all. What was it? No, no. Uh, Dance, well, Dancing with Stars was on the air. Okay. And you know, Mike, 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 and I sat down and we were talking about other things. And Mike said, you know, skating would be another good thing to do, and and do it, you know, along the lines, sim- similar, uh, not the same, but similar. And uh, we developed the show together, and ABC took it, you know, and that's why Mark says they were out of line, because they took it as an offense. And, you know, Mike had come to me to develop this thing, and we did. And, you know, we had Scotty Hamilton and, and Kurt Browning. We had, like, you know, really top, you know, top skaters and stuff. So did but, they try to, like, well, they said that you? when it, Yeah, they, called, they actually called Mark and said, you know, uh, you know, Arthur Smith will never work with ABC again because of this. And I – and it was um, – yeah, it was kind of, and I went, why? And then they said, because you're doing skating. I go, well, it's, you know, yes, it's similar because it's skating, but hey, you know, I was developing something with Mike. I'm, you know, I'm a producer. I'm a, a producer. Network, trying a network to make a called me here. and handed me a yeah, show. Yeah, what yeah, am I going to so do? Trying to make a living. But okay. regardless, okay. regardless, a year later or so, we did I Survived the Japanese Game Show with ABC. Right. So it turned out okay. It turned out okay. But, you know, at the time, it, uh, it was kind of bizarre. Mark and I was like, I remember, you know, uh, it, it, it probably bothered Mark as much as me. Cause oh, was, I'm sure. Because it was so um, out of uh, out of nowhere. You had a good agent. Yeah. Uh, 2005, Hell's Kitchen launches. Yes. Right? How many seasons now are we going on? Uh, season 18 is on in September. Season 18? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Kitchen Nightmares as well. You did seven seasons of that? Seven seasons, 100 episodes. What was your first time meeting Gordon? Mm. What was that first meeting? Oh, my God. Now, that show had already been successful in the U.K., correct? Yeah. Well, yes, yes. How did the but format a much, find you? a much different show. Much, much different. Yeah. Show. So, talk to me okay. about the redesign so, of the format right. and and dealing with Gordon. In it's going to involve Darnell again. It's a crazy story. The best ones do. Yeah. Well, a lot of them do. Um, but he, um, I, and it's funny. I always remember where I am. I don't know why. I guess because these 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 big moments. I, and I, I I was at the Grove in the parking lot, and I was driving around the parking lot, and Mike called me. And he and Mike, you know, it's always on a speaker and I'm in a parking lot and it's hard to hear. And he goes, you know, I, I, uh, there's a chef and I go, uh-huh. And, um, he's, he's, he's an unbelievable character and you need to see the tape of this and of him. And I said, okay. And he goes, I think there's something here with this guy. And he said, he's doing a show called Hell's Kitchen in the UK. Watch the tape. Tell me what you think. I said, Mike, food show, network television doesn't sound good. Okay, I remember this. It doesn't sound good. And he's like, schmuck, watch the tape. And I go, I will. I'm going to watch the tape. And I said, but, you know, there's never been a food show on network television that's been successful. Now, years later, where we are today, it's unbelievable. But then there was nothing. And and the restaurant was on, but came and went. Food on TV was like, you know, daytime television stuff that I I remember growing up. Right. right? Frugal gourmet and things like that. Yeah. So. Anyhow, um, so so I went I went back. I watched the tape, whatever, blah blah blah. And you know, Gordon Ramsay, like right away, I was like, this guy's amazing. But the show that they did was it was called Hell's Kitchen, and Gordon was in it only for one season. Oh, uh, only for one season. It just was on, and it was a much different show. It was Gordon with celebrities, and oh. it was it was a strip. It was like I, I don't know if it was five days a week, but it was a few times a week, and it was almost live live to. You know, it was parts of our live, parts of our tape. But Gordon was in a restaurant and basically had celebrities working for him. Like, like I said, a very different show. In one of his restaurants? No, it was. It was. Okay. I was. A, I think it was a studio and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. So, um, 
but I'm not even sure about that. It could have been a restaurant that was adapted into a studio. But anyhow, um, and I called Mike and I said, love Gordon, love the title, don't like the show. And he goes, well, okay. And, and he goes, well, what do you think? And I said, well, let's get together and we'll talk. And I walked in and I talked to him about what I thought Hell's Kitchen was. And he was like, I think this is great. And he says, now you have to make a deal with ITV because they have the rights. <laughs> And I said, okay. And we, you know, and uh, so we, um, at and the at time. That, and at that point, just so if people don't understand, at yeah. that point, ITV doesn't have any presence here in America to make they, their own they, shows. They did. They did. They had, they, they had. Was it Granada at that point? It was Granada. That's right. right. It was Back Granada. It was Paul right. Jackson. Okay. And, um, and uh, it was Granada. That's funny. Um, and uh, not funny. It's just that good you're, that you remember. I, you know, I try. Yeah, well, I you try. know, you know. So anyhow, so, uh, yeah, so we, I sat down with them and we talked the plan and we made a deal together and it was like a co-pro and, uh, and, you know, we still have it together. I, you know, I, ITV is Granada's became ITV and the people Got have changed it. over the years. And I'm, you know. But what was that first time you had to meet Gordon oh, so the first and, time- and tell him, here's uh, how I want to change the show? Oh my God. Well, you know, um, uh, Gordon is, um. You know, he's very sharp, very, very smart. And listen, if Gordon wasn't a chef, he could apply himself to almost any profession. Right. It's just the way he kind of fell into being a mm-hmm, chef. Mm-hmm. But so – and he's good at analyzing people. And when you when you meet him for the first time, it is intimidating because he is analyzing. You can mm-hmm. – the, the wheels are definitely turning. So I'm not a foodie. I mean I love food, but I am not a foodie. And I had to – you know, no one knew who Gordon Ramsay was here. I mean he was a Michelin – you know, a Michelin star chef, you know um, – Long before he was making TV. Which probably gave you a little bit more confidence yeah. when you first met him. It, it, because he's not a TV star yet. Not yet. When you meet him. So you he feel was, like... He was, he, was start, he, was, he was making his mark in the UK. Right. But, but, but you're the TV expert. Right. When you first meet. Right. So it probably gave you a little bit right. more right. panache well, when there, you first Well, there was a, a few things that, 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 that happened. And I remember, first of all, it's like he, uh, you know... You know, uh, it's funny. He, uh, I would say things, and he goes, you know, he would say, you know, he would be very blind. He says, you know nothing about being a chef, and I go, no, but you're going to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are the qualities that that it takes to make a great chef? And we went, you know, palate and and uh, um, you know, leadership and uh, um, you know, um, all the all the all, all the all the qualities and creativity and innovation, all the stuff that 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 he felt made being a chef. And I said, well, we're going to do a show about that. And I said, what we're going to do is we're going to make that exciting and we're going to create challenges that always test challenges with a purpose and everything that we do on hell's kitchen i promise you will be true to those qualities so that we find the right person and we're going to build a restaurant and and which was okay and now and and so it started off okay and i said we'll always be true to that so you'll never feel like you're in a position where you're doing something for tv Mm -hmm. we have to make it entertaining Mm -hmm. but that's our job our job is to 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 come up with the the you know the notions you know you giving us the qualities now we've got to find ways to make those things and that's how still to this day how all the the challenges on Hell's Kitchen get developed and we when and I'm still very much involved in it is when we create challenges for Hell's Kitchen you know the challenge department will come up with something crazy and I go that's really great TV but what are we testing here what does that have to do I mean we're running right. them around uh, and so we always have to sorry we always have to. Uh, I hit the mic if people are wondering why I said sorry. <laughs> I'm not just Canadian that says sorry all the time. So uh, it has to be, you know, it has to be rooted in something. And and then, you know, and then, then of course, you know, so he really liked that. He responded to that and, and, and the live dinner service. And, and, um, and because of the way, the other thing that I told him is that when you're running the dinner service, you're going to feel like you're in a restaurant and our cameras are going to be in blinds and people aren't going to see it. There's no camera. There's no cameraman in the kitchen. No exposed cameras. There's none. And, and, and by the way, when they enter Hell's Kitchen, 
they never feel us. They never see us. Mm. We're, we're all in. You know, and that was all uniquely what you brought to the table yeah, from, yeah. from the UK format. That, yeah. was all, that was all new. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, it was very similar to the, the control room of Paradise Hotel. Interesting. In terms of how it was set up. And by the way, a lot of it is borrowed from my sports days. I mean, you know, it was the big control room where you cover everything and you find ways to make things happen. But you but it's not intrusive. Mm. And I knew with Gordon that there wasn't going to be any problem with drama and even, you know, even scenes that he wasn't in, um, you know, he kind of, you know, Hellskid is like there's a pregame, there's the game, which is the dinner service, and there's a postgame. And all of them, you know, you know, move, you know, all of them affect each other, right? Right. And uh, anyhow, so, yeah, no, and we, so from that point on, he could see that, that, that we wanted to do something right and entertaining. And Gordon's a great producer now. I mean, he is a right. fast learner. So he's, you know, he's involved in everything that we do on the show. And he has so many shows. Yeah. There's so many. He's a hard. There's two just at all three he media. Works, he works so hard. He's amazing. The funny thing about working with Gordon is, like, you know, when we started having meetings, these development meetings, I go, what do you want for lunch? Because I was, oh, like, God. always so nervous. And right. he goes, I don't know, in and out And I go, in and out because I love it and it was just like it's, it just cracked me up because he great. he appreciates things. I was like, there was one day we were on the road for Kitchen Nightmares. He goes, I had a great meal last. And I go, where'd you go? He goes, I was at Chili's. I go, Chili's? Seriously? Yeah. It was like because he he likes all he loves junk food. And he loves. I would love to hear what is the choice Chili's. I don't remember what it was. Menu item. I don't remember what it was. But he he listen. He appreciates he appreciates all all levels of food and he, and as long as it's. You know, serves the market and serves the place. And by the way, that's that's the story of nightmares. When we went into restaurants and changed them over, we didn't make them fine dining. We made them appropriate for the market. Right. We, you know, if it was a fish and chips place, we made the best fish and chips. Right. So it's middle America. Yeah. And and, and, and some it. of the best. You know, I've, I've you know fortunate to taste a lot of Gordon's, you know, food and his fish and chips and his burgers. They're freaking amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> uh, Two thousand eight. Yeah. And I hope this isn't this isn't a, a tricky spot to get into. But two thousand eight trading spaces. Yeah. Is it bittersweet now to see this rebooted and, and crushing it on TLC now? Uh, no, it's, it's fine. You know, listen, we weren't the originators of the show. We weren't the first producers of the format. show. It was a format. No, I mean, beyond that, it was it was a format that somebody else had produced for years. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. So we weren't the original. So you were brought in. We were brought in. Midstream. By the way, we were not only brought in. Run. We were brought in at the last minute because there was okay. – there was. Um, so that didn't originate with you? No, it didn't originate. But was that a U.K. format? Was that originally created format for, for uh, the U.S.? I think it may have been called something else. But it's owned by – Endemol, so, Endemol. Right? so I mean, listen, yeah. it's natural that we weren't the original rights holder, and it, you know, it's Endemol had the rights, and you know, they're going to come use, on. You're competitive. Like, yeah. was, was part of you like, why didn't I even get a phone call? Yeah, no. Listen, I first reaction, yes. Yeah. But then, then I realized it was an Endemol company, and, and then yeah. you're like, I'm doing okay. Yeah, we're, yeah, no. And then you have that moment where you're like, I'm doing okay. But I, I mean, we all want everything. I, yes, exactly. Right. I, but, I, then, I, but after a while, you're like, no, I think it's okay. Like, we got we got a lot going on. I got a show at the Rock. We've had a lot of success. We've we, we've had a lot of success, but you know, with behind every success, there's always disappointments, right? Sure. So uh, yeah, that, uh, sure. Certainly, it bothered me because uh, we were the last producers of it. Right. So before it went off, and we brought Paige Davis back then, mm. and uh, but but like I said, it's business. How many seasons did you do? We did two. Okay. That's all. I mean, we were brought in and. Uh, and uh, does it surprise you in any way? What's that? Does it surprise no. you in any way that's doing well? No, that wasn't one of those things where you're like, How, "How's that no. going to work?" No, no. By the way, the good ones you can see coming. The yeah. good ones you can see coming. Like it's like with Ellen Game of Games with Mike. Mike. Mike told me he says we're doing this. Ellen Game of Games. hit. Yeah. And he goes, "Really? In this day and age?" I go, "Yes, absolutely. Right. Not yeah. surprising. Yeah, not surprising. Some of them you can see in my way. Every so often." Every so often, I guess you do get surprised for good and for bad. 2011. Yeah. 
you sell to Tenopolis. I can't believe this was seven years ago. Yeah, me too. That blows my mind. Yeah. I thought you sold more recently yeah. than that when I went and did yeah. my research. Yeah. We don't talk about Tenopolis a lot around yeah. town. Yeah. You know, I mean, we know we have that, that magical elves. Yeah. Um, where that's UK based, right? Mm-hmm. UK based distribution. Mm-hmm. What changed after the sale to Tenopolis, if anything? Sincerely, not not that much. Yeah. We still operate. You got to stretch limo, but other than that, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. But no, like no. work-wise, did anything change in terms of no. how you have to run your operation, reporting up to anybody? No, nothing. Not real. And the, the only thing is, we have other partners. And and you know, when you say you sell, we, I just own, uh, they own me, I own them. It's like we're all, we're a partnership. So we, it's, it's like a, a a lawyer who is on his own becoming partners of a bigger firm of which he's an owner. So yeah. you know, we have eight or nine companies, and I'm. I should know that actually, uh, but but I'm I'm a partner in those companies and they're a partner in us. So okay. it's just it's just like having more partners. Okay. So to me, uh, you know the the only thing that's really changed um, is is the fact that um, you know before um, there was myself and Kent who was who who started the company with me and uh, you know was my partner for years. Um, uh, yeah. Was 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 that Kent and I always felt responsible to each other because we were partners as right. partners should and to our, um, to our employees. And now I just feel, you know, the sense of responsibility to other people as well. Right. So but when uh, you say there's multiple other partners, like, yeah. do you mean, does the Tenopolis us all run through a Smith now? Cause no, no. What does that, what does that no, mean when I you mean, say multiple no, no, partners? Just, just, just think about it this way. You know, we all, we all own shares Okay. Of the bigger group. Okay. And so, you know, I'm I'm thrilled when the Magical Elves get Project Runway. Got it. So <laughs> – And we're, we, we, you know – So reading through the tea leaves here. So let's just say if someone wanted to buy Tenopolis, yeah. you and the Magical Elves and all the other parties yeah. that are part of it yeah. would all be very supportive of something like that. Sure. Because you would all benefit. Sure. Financially from yeah. it. If it's, if okay, I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that was the yeah. kind of situation. Yeah, no. Okay. If it's – if it's yeah, we're all, we're all vested in each other. It's just one – one big group, and Got so, it. but it's, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It, like I said, it didn't, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't changed at all. It's funny because when, 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 when it was announced, you know, one of the, you know, it was, it was, you know, we had been pursued by, by others, and you know, hey, I, I want to hear about that. So, yeah. obviously, you had done the rounds. Yeah. How many months from you started taking meetings? So when you sold it, I wasn't trying. We weren't trying to sell. Okay. We weren't like, oh, we're go- this year we're going to sell the company. I, by the way, so you didn't do the LeBron I, James pitch meetings or anything no, like that. No, I okay. never thought of selling. Okay. I never even thought of. I never even thought it was possible. So you know, it wasn't my goal. My goal when setting up the company after leaving Fox Sports was to make TV and to make TV in the broadest variety of genres. As and as you know from the shows that we're talking about, we are a company that does docs and wins NAACP awards and right. does sports shows and sports entertainment show and has a deal with the NFL and Hell's Kitchen. And, you know, I mean, we're, we, and Ninja, we're, we're, we are trading spaces. We are a company that's all over. And that was my joy because I love so many things. Right. And that's all I want to do is make TV, never thinking about, honestly, how much money I was going to make or, or I had a great job at Fox Sports. When I left Fox Sports, I said, if I, if I can make half of what I'm making – um, and yeah. do and do the, this wide variety of shows. Now it turned out better than a lot, yeah. a lot better sure. than that. Sure. But but my my goal was just to make TV and to and like I said, I'm passionate about a lot of areas. So. Um, but when they courted you, they yeah. just made a call, and you're like, oh, I'll sit with these guys. Yeah, because kind of. If you were rep by Aiken, I would think he'd at least be like, "Well, you should at least meet with a couple other people." We did, we did, we yeah. did. So what, there 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 had been some activity, an activity that started two years before that. Sure. 
And we came, and well, we came close actually with a couple of other companies. Can you say who? No. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's uh, no because it yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. No, but 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 a lot of the usual suspects, okay. and uh, and we were we were close with a, with 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 two in particular in in two thousand and nine, and uh, both of them I um, one of them we walked away kind of late in the game because I I I I was worried about our culture and I was worried about what life was going to be. And listen, and Tenopolis as, as I as I say as I advise other people who are in this position, yeah. I say, listen, it's great to make money and and you know monetize your work and everything else like that and get some cash out and do that. But at the end of the day, you don't go to the bank and look at your money. You don't, mm. you still have to go in every day because with every one of these deals, you have to work. Yeah. And so make sure that you don't go for the biggest dollar. Make sure you go for the environment that's going to make you happy. And you may take less because you're, you, you're going to go to work. This is where you spend right. all your time. And so don't chase, don't chase money. I so mean, Tenopolis offered you the ability to kind of keep yeah. things running. That was, you that was it. It was like, you know, we don't want to change our culture. We don't want to change our this. And, and th- like in the first call before we even – like there was yeah. no offer. They yeah. were just calling to inquire. I was like, hey, guys, you know, I'm, I'm – this is – I don't want to ever change the way the company operates. And, you know, we do have a, a friendly, warm, you know – culture here and the way we do business and, and um, even how, even how we do business with networks and stuff like that, there is a style and, 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 and a, and a way we try to be, we really try to be good guys, fair, I, I, not, 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 not to the point that we're hurting our business, but fair, reasonable, um, you know, business people too. Well, it's funny. You've referenced culture, I think more than anybody I've ever talked to, mm-hmm. because you talk about grooming 25 year old PAs and mm-hmm. looking for people with a vision. Mm-hmm. And then even when you sold the company, mm-hmm. It was more about culture than the business mm-hmm. aspect of it or, or mm-hmm. financial aspect yeah. of it. Um, I believe it. I believe it. I think, I think you're com- completely sincere, and mm-hmm. I respect the hell out of it. Thanks. Um, years later, uh, <laughs> American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Okay. My, my memory is a little <laughs> hazy on this. I remember Ninja Warrior being like an obscure cable yes. experience yes. that was Japanese repurposed That's right. or something. That's right. W- w- where was it originally airing in the U.S. here? G4. And in what form? They, was it American? No, it wasn't. They, they, right. D- first of all, they ran the Japanese version and then dubbed it. Right. And, uh, and then they du- and they had like what American announcers yeah. over the yeah. Japanese version. Yeah. Yeah. And that was on G four. Yeah. So this was on cable for years. Yeah, a few years. Yeah. Who had? Who? How did you jump in? Did no. you think I can do something with this? No. Or did NBC Universal think no. it's time to bring no. this to broadcast? No, it wasn't NBC. They didn't. NBC didn't own G four. That the Comcast oh. and NBC weren't even together. So Neil Tiles, who I. I I give a lot of credit to who's no who's no, no longer G4. G4 is no longer Ninja. Right. Has outlasted the, the network it started on. Um, but Neil Tiles was a colleague of mine from Fox Sports. Um, and uh, he, had, he was the head of marketing. Okay. And we were friends and stuff like that. And he, he, he called me one day and he says, I have this show uh, called, you know, Ninja Warrior Sasuke in Japan. And he said, you know, it's an obstacle course and blah, 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 blah. And it's been on for years. And he says, truthfully, it's the one thing that's getting a number. Right. And he says it's become this cult following and et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, take a look at it and, you know, we should talk. And we and then we talked and we essentially developed, you know, American Ninja Warrior together. And uh, mm-hmm. we did, you know, the first season we did 10 episodes on uh, on um, on G4. Okay. And um, it's really started to take off. And then when once we got to the. Uh, so you did do it for, you produced yeah. it first for G4, for the all-American version. By the way. Yeah. 
you know, the funny thing about it was, is we were very happy making it for G4. Right. We were happy. You know, it was a, it was a gig. And, but what's uh, interesting is, though, you started that show, started this show with G4 budgets. Yes. Right? Yes. So it must be kind of hard when it makes the leap to broadcast for you to, like, honestly say, well, now it needs to be broadcast money, right? Like, they kind of have a little leverage on you because they're like, well, what have you been making it Yeah. For? Well, the show the show has changed. I mean, I'm we, sure you're doing we shot it. We, we shot it in one location. Right, right, we right. gang shot it. We also okay. put some hamburger. You shot, like, Wipeout? What? You shot, like, Wipeout? We have no, one no. location on the G4 version? You just well, sent people there? Well, we, we shot it on Venice Beach. We did all okay, the, that. Was we the, shot it on okay. Venice Beach. And then what we did is we took the top Americans and then took them to Japan. And then we okay. we shot that, you know, when Japan was doing their finale, we brought, basically went there with one or two cameras. And used their set. And used their set and used their cameras and Genius. then just did interviews and stuff like so that. So did you shoot a whole season in one week in Venice, basically? Um, it was It was – Yes, for the most part, there were some other. We had a reality element in there also, where they went to a training camp after, okay. and they and before they went to Japan. And by the way, we cool. had to hamburger it out. But that was the the key, you know, the key to, you know, when you're dealing with a G four budget and making it look, you know, because even if you look back at the old G four shows, they're pretty good. It looked like live sports. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. So, um, um, and and you know, you just shoot faster, and you 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 spend your money in 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 the set, and then you shoot quickly, and you know, it's how many seasons did you do for? G4? So we did it for G four for I I th- I think three, okay. uh, but 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 three w- w- with just G four because right. what happened was right. is why, during that time. NBC, uh, Comcast had bought NBC. Right. And Neil and I looked at each other and said, you know, wouldn't it be great as a showcase, not to go on NBC, but as a showcase, if they could air the finale on on NBC. Yeah. And uh, just as an act of synergy, never thinking that we were going to be an NBC show. Like on a Friday, Saturday night? It was a Monday night. Okay. It was a Monday night in August. And, of course, they scheduled it opposite Hell's Kitchen, which was <laughs> which unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, you must have loved But that. Hell's Kitchen was... Uh, was eight to ten, okay, and Ninja was nine to eleven, okay, and um, it was a great night for Ace Smith and Co. because we won every time period because Ninja won <laughs> ten o'clock and Ninja finished, so Ninja won ten and Hell's won eight and eight and nine, so we won every time period. And Paul Telegby, he sent me this greatest email. He says, "Oh, Mister Monday Night, you know, like because right. we had won every time period." And what it, was the sense you were getting from the network leading up to this special? Like this was just like a okay, oh, they were throw it up on the board. Seriously, none of us were thinking about. You know the future. We were thinking just about for what it was—an active synergy. So, how quickly did you have a conversation Pretty with quickly. NBC after it aired? Pretty quickly. I and mean, to Paul's credit, he saw yeah, it. He saw it, and he, he believed in it, and he's been a strong supporter. But we didn't go in full board right away. We went in, and we we split it. We split it. You know, um, it was you know ten hour or fourteen hours on G four, ten hours on NBC. That's right. I remember that. And then and then we then then all of a sudden it was fourteen hours on NBC, ten hours on G four, and then eventually NBC said, "Well." We'll take it all, wow. and and um, how and many then, episodes uh, a season now? Uh, there, you know, total there's thirty something hours a year. And how many now in USA for Team Ninja? Uh, sixteen this past year. Unbelievable. And now Ninja Junior. We just did Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Junior. Junior for Universal Kids. We just did twenty Is episodes. Is there an American Ninja experience at Universal Studios? Because if there's not, there not should yet. be. Not yet. Yeah, there should be. Have, are there gyms opening up? Oh my God, yes. But you know the branded American Ninja um, War gyms. Uh, you know, it's not. It's not. It's we don't have the we don't have the rights. It's up to NBC to do what they. But there's okay. you know there's 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 talk. I mean, there's a, the Ninja book just came out. There's a hardcover book. And you're nominated this year. Yeah. How many nominations? Three? We have three nominations, and it's our third year in a row, which is amazing. The funny thing about getting the nomination for Ninja is, and I have so much pride with that show, because who would ever thought an obstacle course show could be Emmy-worthy, Emmy-consideration-worthy, right? And But, you know, we went into it, you know, I – 
when I knew we were even going on for for that that act of synergy with NBC, you know, I, I I've always believed in the show. Obviously, um, I, like I said, I never expected to be on NBC. Um, but I, what I did believe in was that. You know, it had to be more than an obstacle course show. Mm. It had to be about who they were and why they were running. And the, the Ninja Course is a metaphor for life and people getting over their obstacles. And the stories that we tell, which comes from Your sports background, from, comes it's from just, it's a human interest. Comes stories. from the Olympics. The very first, yeah. the very first production meeting. Remember sitting with the producers and we were talking about the show, and uh, and and we said that. You know, we are going to produce this show like the Olympics. And just like people care about curling and bobsled every few years, right. we're going to make them care about this course. Yeah. And, and we work that we work that really, really hard. And uh, and fam- family is important. And, and there's all, all these kinds of positive messages about the show. Never judge a book by its cover and yeah. a show with great sportsmanship. And uh, the only show where athletes, you know, root for each other, uh, a show where men and the only sports sport where men and women compete on the same stage. Yep. Um, it doesn't matter if you win. There's no winner. I mean, what American show? No winner. It's anti-American. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so, um, you, you know, an all star, by the way, and Christine Leahy. She's great. She's. I, I'm telling you. I think Christine Leahy is going to be like, you know, announcing Monday Night Football yeah. in some component. Yeah, soon. she's getting. She, uh, she's getting on Sean Fox Sports. I think. She is a star. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what about Matt and Akbar too? Oh, well, the whole team is wonderful. <laughs> the team. They're, the whole all team is They're all great. They're all great. So before I leave you, yes, I've had the pleasure of working with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. we did a show at TNT years ago when I worked for Ben. My, which which my, one, Hero? Uh, the Hero. Yeah. And then they did Wake Up Call after I left. Yeah. Um, so I, I did the pitch meetings with Dwayne. I was oh. in Panama with Dwayne. Um, my brother, my older brother, is a movie producer. He's actually doing the Jungle Cruise. He is with Dwayne right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So my brother's producing wow. that. So you've now been in the man's orbit. Yeah. Okay. This is my takeaway. I think he might be the most perfect human being ever. Yeah. Like, and I've—I don't know if I've said this on this show before, but yeah. like as a guy, like as a guy, you you want to at least find one thing, <laughs> one thing right. that afterwards you can go back home to your wife and you can be like. You know, The Rock's amazing, but he can't do this or that. Right. When we went out and took our pitch, I found him to be the smartest guy in every room, the nicest guy in every room, remembered every assistant's name, the best-looking guy in every room. Yeah. Incredible human being. Yeah. Takes the time to listen. Yeah. And, and is, by the way, fantastic at ta- absorbing yeah. information yeah. from his producing partners and then making it his own. Yeah. How has the collaboration experience been? Everything that you said is true. Right? Everything that you said is exactly I mean, really, true. I mean, we throw out like, oh, he could run for president. He really could be because yeah. he's an incredible leader. Yeah. And he's one of the, he has the biggest Q score of any celebrity. Yeah. He brings all different <laughs> genres of people together. Yeah. All different demos love The Rock. He's amazing. He, he is, he's amazing. And, and every, everything that you, you know, we've all worked with celebrities and we've all worked with talent over the years. And some of them are like the way they are and some of them right. aren't. Right. Uh, but he, what, what people perceive him to be. That's what he is. The real deal. He's, he's the real deal. He is. He is. He's the best. He's so. He's. You're right. He's smart. He's collaborative. He's personable. He's humble. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. Um, he's great. He's and great. Though, and even though he's the biggest, biggest yeah. celebrity in the world and has the most jam-packed schedule of yeah. anybody in the world, yeah. he doesn't make you feel like it. No. No. He makes you feel like this is a focus of his. Yeah. Even though he's got 13 focuses. I know. Last last night. It's funny. I was watching him this morning because last night we were starting to tell people that they're on the Titan Games, and Dwayne called some of the people. <gasps> he called some of the contestants. Yeah, and and I we of course recorded it, and uh, amazing, incredible, amazing. Because it wasn't just hey, you're on the show. It was like, you know, a pretty lengthy conversation, and he knew everything about their background. He knew who they were, and he's he's doing it from the set of uh, Jungle Cruise, and uh, wow, and um, and of course the reactions were insane. But he but he's so loving. He's so 
and funny though. You know, it's not like hysterical. He, you know, he'll he'll throw a shot in there and then, you, but he can get away with anything too because he's so so what, nice. And what so, what is the show? The Titan Games? Yeah. The Titan Games, and, and the reason why, you know, we developed the show with NBC, uh, Universal Productions and NBC, and um, it is um, essentially a platform for everyday people to become heroes. Okay. And that's what Dwayne really responded to. Yep. I mean, Dwayne, you know, didn't come up with the idea, but Dwayne is helping develop the idea because it's so much his in, brand, his, his brand and who he is. Yeah. Because he kind of, you know, wants to do that. Dwayne always talks about it. I love it when he says it because... He says, I'm a lucky son of a bitch, right? <laughs> and, and I had seven bucks in my wallet, uh, and I did, you know, after I got cut from a CFL team. And, you know, and so he, he appreciates what he has, and he wants to give back. He wants to pay it forward. I mean, uh, I mean he, really, he really does. So it's a physical competition where um, essentially we, we – through a process, we end up with six titans. And every weekend, the three men and three women, they defend their titanship. Okay. Uh, against against contenders, okay. and these are every contenders day, that are coming for their spot. Coming coming for the spot, and if you beat the Titan, you become the Titan. Okay. And the the ongoing the, what makes the show interesting is the ongoing story of the of the uh, lawyer or the dental hygienist who's been there for you know a number of weeks, and is she ever going to lose? And then and then all of a sudden you know a truck driver comes in and takes takes or, or whatever to, you know takes their position and and, and ultimately there will be six left and and the three men and the three, three women, women compete for one spot exactly to be crowned in the end exactly exactly, exactly how many episodes is it going to be it's 10 we shoot in a month and uh it's uh yeah it's 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 epic i mean it is epic in terms of you know the, the interesting thing is all the battles are one-on-one mm-hmm. so there's like you know six acts six battles in every show but there's some other nuances to the to the format, sure. That, some curveballs, yeah, yeah. More like more like, you know, just just, you know, um, I wouldn't say curveballs. Curveballs suggest like it's a yeah, twist, yeah, a reality yeah, yeah. twist. It's not a reality twist. It's just there's just another thing that you have to do to become a titan. Okay. Um, in, in the show, once you, once you beat a titan, you have to you have to do you have to beat him again, and it's there's a little. There's a there's a thing that you have to do, which is kind of interesting. Where is the complex you're shooting? Is we're, it indoor, outdoor? It's outdoors. It's outdoors. All on different locations? No, no, or? it's one location because so we're base. yeah, no, no, we're building a a significant set, and 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 the games are epic in scale. I mean, they're 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 massive, 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 and all the challenges. You know, it's really about being the best all around athlete, but you have to have. You, it's more than that. You have to have heart and determination. You have to have the staying power because it's it's and on Titan Games winning is just the beginning. Right. You win, but then you have to defend your title every week. Yep. So there's a there there's there's a there's a lot to that. And uh, no, it's awesome. We're we're so excited. And uh, you know, I'm I'm back in the trenches because because uh, I need to be and I want to be and and it's where it's where I should be. I think and, you're gonna find two guys, two of your hosts in the Emmy hosting category this time next yeah. year. I think you're going to find The Rock and Gordon Ramsay in the same category this time next year. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. Well, thanks for making time for me. Oh, my pleasure. So much fun talking Was about it. Was this okay? Yeah. Okay, good. I, it's, a, it's so much fun to talk about the business and stuff like that. And, and, and truthfully, when you have conversations like this, you, you know, you, um, you appreciate the stuff that you've been able to do. I've been very fortunate. And, and you know, when we talk about, you know, about, you know, the culture and things like that, and I really appreciate you picking up on it. Um, it's, a, it's the advice I give to my kids. It's like the happiest times of your life are when, are, are when you're with people that you like. Mm. And it won't be necessarily what you're, what you're doing. It'll be 
who you're with. Mm. And uh, we've been able to do some great things, but we've also surrounded with, with, uh, with great people. And my, my, as I get older, because <laughs> uh, I always feel like the young guy because I was, you know, I was the head of CBC Sports when I was 28 and I was working with Dick Clark when I was 30. And, and now you're like, look, there's one of the founding oh fathers. Oh, my God. You are. You're one of the founding yeah, fathers yeah, yeah. of this business. Yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah. So, so I, I, but I enjoy teaching and I enjoy working with the young people and I take such pleasure in some of the people who were PAs who were executive producers who worked for us and a lot of these people have been with us from the very beginning we have a big um, wow. family here so thank, good man, thank you thanks so much thanks for the time man pleasure